Hello, this is David Clive Price, and you're so welcome to the Asia Business Network Expert Series. Coming up today, we're going to have a talk about communicating across cultures. And we have an awesome guest in the experts chair today. It is Philip Kanpani. Philip is a professional speaker, trainer in communication skills, and author. His eight business books include one called Communication Across Cultures, which he wrote jointly with Dr. Deborah Swallow, a cross-cultural consultant. In public speaking, Philip has won numerous awards, including the Silver Medal in the World Championship of Public Speaking. Born in Hong Kong and educated in India, he naturally straddles both East and West. With a business background in sales and marketing, he speaks about selling across cultures, and he aims to improve East-West understanding in business. So we're thrilled to have Philip here today. Welcome, Philip. Thank you, David. Good to be here. Good to have you. So I'd like to start off, if I may, with a big picture question. What is culture, Philip, in the context of business? Well, first of all, culture is simply the way we do things around here. Right. It embraces um, all the things that are normal for us. It's uh, our collective beliefs, our set of values, uh, our normal practices, uh, the courtesies, t attention to, to, to time, uh, the hi hierarchy, use of language, all those things. And it, 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 it's not, I think, very useful to go into the detail of examining the en entrails of culture. It's something that you sense when you come from another culture, another rhythm, into, for example, the one here, you sense instantly if it's uh, the same rhythm as you. Just as, you know, when you speak to, to a stranger, any stranger from any culture, you automatically adjust your, your pace of speaking, your rhythms together, don't you? You, yeah. you, you, can, you come to a kind of accommodation, but it, to begin with, you sense that there is a difference. Yeah. It's the same with culture, because when you come from another country, you suddenly, or when you go to another country, you suddenly realize the things are not quite as you expect. And yet, often we we take it for granted that what we're bringing with us in terms of our own culture is probably, it should be, at least, the way that things are done in another culture. So often we're, we're not really reflecting on our own culture. We're not aware so much of the of fact that there are differences until we are faced with differences. That's right, that's right. And one of the greatest uh, difficulties that people have in doing business across cultures is the tendency to say, be like me. Mm. And that is about um, um, sticking with the familiar, saying this is how, this is what I'm used to, this is the way we do things where I come from, why can't you be like that also? And causes a, a, a miscommunication and it, it causes difficulties and so forth. There are all kinds of stories about how people have, um, let's say, one extreme brash Americans have gone off into the Far East expecting to jet in uh, in the morning and do the contract and jet out the same day. <clears throat> and then the, the, the Far Easterners know, know that that's going to happen, so they deliberately delay 
and delay and delay and delay until the Americans are getting very anxious about getting away and they start making concessions. So that's, that's an extreme example, maybe even be fairly apocryphal, but I've actually seen something like that happen where people come in with their, their own set of expectations and the other side deli deliberately play on those expectations and then the balance of power will shift. Yes. I mean, there are ramifications in all kinds of ways that we do business, like, for example, in negotiations, what we expect, um, the time uh, constraints and the idea of uh, things going in a logical progression from A to B to C, etc. Not yeah. necessarily apply in different cultures, do they? Yeah. Um, I, I, it's perhaps not only Americans, but many Westerners, um, um, including British and Australians and New Zealanders. Uh, we all go into different cultures, particularly those of Asia, perhaps expecting everything to be very much on the same track, the same wavelength as, as us. In fact, the Chinese have a, a word, have an expression for the Westerner, which is the track-minded Westerner. So uh, I... I wonder if you see this as part of the what what are the essential main differences between east and west in the way that uh, the peoples of each of these huge regions um learn yes <clears throat> let let's be clear though when we talk about cross cultural communication cross cultural differences and so yeah. forth that it, it it applies not only to doing business across natural um, boundaries it applies also to doing business with people from other countries and other cultures here on your on your doorstep. Yes. And the the, the key to that really is sensitivity. Uh, and there is one other thing which I'll come to a little, a little later. But the main thing is is sensitivity. Mm. Uh, for example, I was you know some years ago, the the banks in the UK changed their layout. They they, they set up open plan uh, layouts in their their provincial branches, there's suburban branches. I was in a suburban branch of a, of a major bank and I was standing in a queue with a few other people and a Chinese uh, customer came in, a retailer of some sort might have had a Chinese takeaway or something. This Chinese person came in and asked to see the bank manager. So he was he was invited to go sit in a, chair, in a seat in the open plan area uh -huh. within earshot of the rest of the customers. And the young guy came out who was clearly not the bank manager. And uh, the, the Chinese customer felt uncomfortable. You could see in his face he felt a bit uncomfortable because he was being treated to a, a bit of disrespect by somebody coming who was clearly not the bank manager and he, he, who, whom he'd asked to see. Right. And this fellow came and sat down with him in the open plan area and, and said, what can I do for you? So the Chinese customer clearly didn't want to discuss his business within earshot the other customer. So he asked a couple of innocuous questions and left. And I thought, what a shame. What yes. a shame. Because he didn't get the service he was entitled to. And the the young guy from the, the, the assistant bank manager, whoever he was, clearly had no understanding of the sensitivities that were required to serve this customer well. Right. So that kind of thing happens all the time. Now, uh, culture influences the way we we make decisions, it, it influences our management style, and it determines whether we're going to get off on the right foot or the wrong foot when we're dealing with people from other cultures. Yes. So it affects, as you said, 
negotiations, the way we conduct our meetings, the formalities that are involved, and so on. So there are differences, and those differences uh, identify what is dis what is um, distinctive and special about each side in the cult cross-cultural exchange. Does that make sense to you? Yes, 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 very much, Philip. Philip. Uh, and what matters is whether each side decides to stick to their own ways or whether they're prepared to make an accommodation of the other side's ways and expectations. I think that's the key to successful business across cultures. So it's to do with flexibility, empathy, sensitivity, as you say. Yeah. And being able to adapt and, and show respect, I guess, is one of the most important ones of all. That was the other one that I was going to come to later. Right, sorry. We will come back to it because it's a, such a key element in all of this. Yes. But I, I think um, another thing is when, when you're dealing, um, let, let's take a general example. You have two parties from, from different cultures doing business or trying to do business with each other. Each side has their own ways. Each side has their own uh, formalities, uh, their own expectations, <clears throat> and so on. Now, if each side has no power to change the way that they do things, the, the thing's going to fail. Mm. The, 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 the negotiation or whatever it is, is not going to work. So each side has to have, A, the sensitivity to, uh, to, to understand the other side's ways, and B, it has to have the power and the willingness to make an accommodation, to make a change. Yes. Uh, if if somebody says, well, uh, I'm, like like the, the, the assistant bank manager I was talking about, someone like that would, would clearly have no authority to make uh, certain kinds of decisions or certain kinds of uh, changes, simply because he was simply not senior enough. So it's no point sending a person like that to negotiate with a more senior person coming from another culture because it's not going to work. Yes. So it's also a question of uh, having, you know, knowing your etiquette, as it were, or knowing your um, the the traditions and the customs and yeah. the ways of doing things that are inherent in those cultures, um, yes. in different cultures, and. We're talking about largely about Asia, Asia-Pacific uh, countries, but also, as you rightly say, right here on your own doorstep in many multicultural situations, we're not always um, ready or on the right wavelength to adapt ourselves and to um, show respect and sensitivity to mm. uh, in, in ways that will make business succeed multiculturally even within our own societies yeah yeah let me now uh, draw attention to the elephant in the room right when we're dealing with when we're talking about uh, cross-cultural communications or cross-cultural dealings um, east west the west used to be the colonial powers mm. and the east of course were the colonies I'm, 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 I know I'm generalizing, but by and large, this tended to happen for a long time. And the independent nations, or rather, the, the colonies became independent only really in, in fairly recent history. Yes. Now, the attitudes that prevailed um, in, the, in the colonial days, they, they, those attitudes 
still carry over to some extent. Partly, it's it's um, a kind of an inherited resentment on the part of the former colonies, mm. and partly it's a kind of inherited arrogance on the part of former colonial masters. So, if you're going to talk about cross-cultural uh, dealings, I think you cannot ignore that. That does happen to be the, the case. Now, I, I, I use uh, as, a, as an example of the change in attitude and the difference it can make I use uh, international cricket as my example. Oh, good. I like cricket a lot. <laughs> okay. Up to uh, the 70s, um, countries like India and Pakistan would, would almost always lose to England because yeah. they expected to lose. <laughs> and then in the 70s, something significant changed. They stopped looking west and they started looking inwards. In, when I say inwards, I mean Within the, within the East themselves, they began to realize that they had their own world in the East, and they they began to do, to feel more self confident within the Far East. Yes, and then amazingly, they started beating England because they no longer expected to lose to the mother country. Yes, you see, and uh, it, it 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 may sound like a small thing, but to me, it's a very major shift in performance because of the shift in the attitude towards um, what used to be their colonial masters. Yes, does that yes. make sense? Yes, it does, yes. Um, so th that, that tends to happen. Now, of course, cross-cultural awareness is not a universal thing. The, 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 you can't say, I'm an expert in, in cross-cultural communication because I happen to be Oriental and Western. Because I was talking recently to a cross-cultural um, consultant who she, 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 she claims to be um, an expert on cultural diversity. And we had a very long conversation on the phone and she'd been extremely helpful. And then I analysed what she was telling me about cultural diversity. And then it became clear to me that she is an, is an Afro-Caribbean. Right. And so all the things she was talking about in you know, like the issues that we've already discussed here just now, yes. they were all seen by her through the lens of an Afro-Caribbean. Now, the Afro-Caribbean experience is not the same as the, uh, the Oriental experience, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so although she was, what she was saying was valid, nevertheless, it was not exactly right for the e Asian experience. Uh, Context. Con yeah, context, right. So, so, we need to be a little careful about um, what I would call special pleading. Yes. Does it make sense? Yes, it does, yes. Uh, but now look, look at what's happening this very week. Mm. George Osborne is out there in China saying, please, will you build us our high-speed railway? <laughs> yes. Now, isn't that amazing? Yes. China the economic power to which Britain is turning, because Britain hasn't got the cash, and China is cash rich. So George Osborne goes along and says, hey, you got the money, and also you built lots and lots of major infrastructure projects around the world. Come and do ours. 
Now, I think that is terrific. That is really significant because Osborne is saying, in effect, uh, we can connect with China. We can find a way of, of talking to each other, doing business with each other, understanding each other's requirements and making it fit. Yes. And these are quite extreme. Uh, I mean, China is really at one extreme of the, the, the uh, cultural spectrum compared with, say, uh, Britain. Uh, linguistically, culturally, historically, very, very different. There's very, very little similarity between Britain and China. And yet, they, they are in the process of finding common ground. Yes, and we have an inversion, if you like, of the colonial roles you were speaking about in, yeah. in many ways, in, not only in China, in fact, but in other Asia-Pacific countries, many of which, um, Singapore, Malaysia, even you could say Vietnam, Hong Kong, etc., yeah. etc., et mm -hmm. are, are relatively uh, young societies in the, in the sense of having new uh, governance, uh, a new politics, a new yeah. society, yeah. post-Second World War. And um, th therefore, if you're going to do business successfully in these different countries, you have very much to take on board the national mission, be yeah. become respect the uh, dynamism and the uh, strength of the local economies and show your commitment to those, mm -hmm. uh, which is, a ve again, very much the inversion of the old colonial role that you are being asked to participate in their national dreams, as it were, and yeah. the Chinese dream, um, which uh, Xi Jinping has talked about a, a great deal, etc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the uh, uh, fairly obvious areas of um, potential friction mm. is the, the misuse of language. Yes. And uh, it's quite common in Britain to mock foreigners uh, all kinds of foreigners, really, for their, um, the way they mangle the English language. Mm. And uh, I, 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 I use some examples. When I'm training people in, in communication skills, I do bring out some of these examples um, simply to make, uh, make a particular point. For example, in, in a Bangkok dry cleaners, there's a notice that says, drop your trousers here for best results. <laughs> and then in... Uh, in, 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 in a Hong Kong tailor shop, there's, there's a card that says, ladies may have a fit upstairs. <laughs> uh, and then in, in Kowloon, there's a, in a hotel that says, it's forbidden to steal hotel towels. Please, if you are not a person to do such, is please not to read notice. Uh, and then there's in, Tokyo, in a Tokyo bar, there's a notice that says, special cocktails for the ladies with nuts. Now... <laughs> Uh, I show these these uh, examples of, of mangled English, and people laugh. And then I say, now, here's how here's what they say in Britain. There's a uh, John Motton, well-known TV, uh, uh, BBC TV football uh, commentator. Uh, he said things like, uh, "They're known by their Christian names in Turkey." Right. And Brendan Foster said, "Not only has the pace been constant, it's been increasing." <laughs> and, and, and on TV snooker, snooker Ted Lowe uh, commentating on TV snooker said that's inches away from being millimeter perfect <laughs> uh, 
and so on. So you see, it's, it's not only foreigners that, that bangled the language. Yes. Uh, so I, I use these 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 sets of, of examples to show people that it, it, you think it, it's okay simply to mock foreigners for misusing the language, but you know, you do it yourself as well. Yes, and there are so many areas in which you can uh, fall down with linguistically um, and not understanding how the uh, the culture and language of another country works when you're doing your business, for example, your marketing and Google in China choosing two words for its Google uh, for its marketing uh, name, uh, which means uh, Song of the Rice Farmers. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it was a disaster to start with because the consumers did not want to become rice farmers, etc. I mean, it, uh, linguistic awareness must accompany culture cultural awareness. Um, they're both hand in glove, aren't they, Philip? Yeah, yes. But, I mean, look, uh, you know uh, how Germans uh, are. If you're doing business with Germans, and you, and you have, let's say you're, you're all in the same company, or, or you're in the middle of a shared project, and you, you phone somebody in Germany, he's liable to get straight to the point without any pleasantries. None of this, how are you, and all that stuff. Yes. But they get straight to the point, they're very direct and civil. This can be rather upsetting for an Oriental. The Arabs, the Orientals, they, they like questions about the family and so on. Yes, yes very much. Because they do business, really, only with people with whom they have a relationship. Ah, exactly. That's so it's very important to, to bear that in mind and to, to do the relationship thing. But before we come to that, well, before we, we, we develop that idea, I want to give you one more example of something which which is very hard to, uh, to define, but is very real in practice. And that is about tone of voice. Mm. Uh, I, I was, uh, as you said, born in Hong Kong, brought up in India, and came over to England. And I found a, a couple of things very importantly. When I arrived in England, England wasn't here. Yeah. It's gone. The, uh, the England I was brought up with, or to, to know, in fact, was the, uh, the colonial England, with the, the values and, and the vocabulary of uh, a, 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 day, a time that is now gone. Yeah. So I arrived in England expecting it to be like that, and of course it was totally different, because England completely changed in the Second World War. So I came with expectations that were not met. But I also brought with me some of the reflexes from the Far East, and particularly from India. Now, one day, I went to an Indian restaurant with a friend of mine. And as we came in, the, the, the waiter who received us was rather rude. Mm. Um, he was Bengali. Right. And uh, he, he, was, he was rather, his, his manner was, was, was rather, rather rude. I said something to her, to him rather, which sent, sent him away with his tail between his legs. And he looked really, really discomforted. Now, my friend said, what did you say to him? What did you do? I heard the words. I couldn't understand why those words would have produced that result in him. And I said, what I did was, I instinctively spoke to him as though he were a servant. Now, a, serv a, a, a waiter in this country is, I suppose, is a servant. But there's, there's nothing bad about that. You know, we, we have this dignity of labor in this country. Whereas a servant in India 
is, is socially much, much lower down the scale. And you tend to speak to servants in, in India in a way which is totally um, condescending and it, 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 it's um, arrogant even. And I did that simply instinctively because that came out of my, my, my upbringing. Yes. Um, now that kind of tone of voice, that instinctive thing, is, uh, is built into all of us. So a Westerner going to the Far East might use the Western tone of voice and create the, kind of, the wrong kind of impression in exactly the same way as I did it here in, in, in London. Yes, and it would be that sense, yeah. yes, and it would be disastrous if they did. So yeah. very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's to do with tone, and as we said earlier on, also respect. Yes, yeah. as, yeah. as, as you also mention a lot, it's all to do with respect. Yeah, I mean, well, Philip, this is a really great conversation. I think we could talk for the whole day on on the on these uh, matters of uh, cultural differences and cultural communication. Um, and I really appreciate the time you've taken to do this today. But just before you go, I let you go. I have just one final question. Yeah. Being born in Hong Kong, yes. raised in India, mm. what is the greatest insight your East-West background has given you on doing business across cultures? Well, two things. Uh, you have to be sensitive. Uh, no, three things. First of all, you have to be aware of cultural difference. Secondly, you have to be sensitive to the differences, and thirdly, always show respect. You cannot learn all the ways of all the countries and all the cultures around the world. You cannot do that. But what you can do is to be respectful, because when you are respectful, they will forgive you if you make a mistake. Absolutely. Oh, well, on that final point, I, I'd like to say thank you again to Philip, and that uh, I'm sure listeners will really want to take that on board, that point about respect, and prepare themselves for... Uh, voyaging into business in foreign countries and that's it for today and let me thank Philip again for being my guest my pleasure great to have you today and if you'd like to know more please visit Philip's website at www.pkpcommunicators.com that is pkpcommunicators.com which is also there at the links below and listen in to more news and views on doing business in Asia at Asia Business Network Expert Series, to which you can also subscribe on iTunes. So, until the next time, happy listening.